A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Do Choose. Light, comfy, good to go to. Hello, you are very welcome to another episode of Fascinated. This is part two of a recording of the live Fascinated show that I did as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival. In the first episode, I chatted to Naomi Coleman and we talked about her coming back to music after a seven-year gap and how her sons don't like her playing music, her first gig back, and also we shamed someone in the audience for being a fan of the series Nashville. Deirdre O'Kane made her official return to stand-up at the Cat Laughs Festival in 2016. To watch her set that night now, you would never have thought that Deirdre hadn't done stand-up in eight years. She then toured a brand new stand-up show called 1D. She was guest host of a season of The Six O'Clock Show, which is Ireland's answer to The One Show. She hosted the Irish Film and Television Awards twice in a row, as well as numerous acting jobs, including a role in the recent Irish film Halal Daddy. So as comebacks go, it was pretty damn good. Listening to this interview, it's really easy to see why audiences absolutely love Deirdre. She's hilarious and she's just lovely. She's off the road at the moment, but she will be back with a new show in 2018 and you can keep an eye on her live dates on her website, deirdreokane.net. Speaking of live dates, I'm on tour at the moment around Ireland with my show Home Truths, so you can check out my website for a listing of live dates. I have shows coming up in Blanchardstown, Waterford, Navan and at the Vodafone Comedy Festival in Galway, and also a big show in Whelan's in Dublin on the 3rd of November. If you like the first part of this show, well, Naomi closes this half with another song, and she's joined on guitar by Jer Walsh. But for now, this is me chatting to the fabulous Deirdre O'Kane. I have a child of my own. I actually don't think that any of the nursery rhymes are suitable whatsoever. This is, I'm reading to them, I read them to the child like this, look at. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. They did in their hole. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. It's not a dreadful expression. They did in their hole. When people say to me, what is it about the Irish? You know, what is it about being unique, you know, uniquely Irish? I want to say, nobody else in the world uses the expression, pain in the hole. <laughs> and it's poetry. Do you know that? It really is. It's magnificent because it says, it does exactly what you wanted to do, doesn't it? If somebody said to me, how'd you get on that Liffy Laugh thing the other night? And I said, ah, it was a bit of a drag. That would mean nothing. If I said to them, pain in the hole. <laughs> they'd say, oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. A hundred percent. I was working on a TV show a couple of years ago, and it happened to be, it was a Roddy Doyle show, so there was a lot of language like that in it. And the continuity woman on the programme was English, so she didn't understand a lot of that language. But one of the actors kept messing up a line, and she stopped him in the middle of a take, and she said, um, John, sorry, she said, you, you just, you keep getting the line wrong. She said, the line is, I am in my hole. <laughs> and he was just looking at her for ages, going, sorry, what, what, what did you say the line is? She said, the line is, I am in my hole. <laughs> and five minutes later, he eventually went, oh, I am in my hole. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> 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 
Sit down, sit down. The road less travelled. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. We're in a bit of a mess. Sure, that's we're the way of, we've we're always kind been. Of tangled. We're Why kind would of we change now? Exactly. Um, how are you? Quite shocked by the way I used to look. <laughs> you look, I'm just going to take this out of our Big eyes. Big shiny here. head on me and all. Um, you look exactly the same, Deirdre. Exactly the same. And it's true, uh, you are well, the only comedian. I am throwing money at my face, <laughs> literally. <laughs> well, it's worth every penny. Sure, it's I worth so. every penny, so. Deirdre. Can you see the work? No? <laughs> You're not meant to see the work. Just, just meant to say, no, you look great, I can't see the work. <laughs> it's not real work, it's not like there's no, there's no knives at it. Carry on, Grod. I, I will keep, I'll I continue. Believe, yes. I believe it's your show. <laughs> no, I'm just going to let you dig. <laughs> <laughs> just keep digging there, Deirdre. I got the inside track on a story that I went to see you in the Olympia a few years ago, and the show was slightly delayed. And I remember not thinking about it at the time, but it was just, you know, the support did, like, really, really long. And then you came on about half nine. And I, like, the support was amazing. It was Tina C. I don't even remember Tina C. And you Tina came on. Tina C? Tina C, yeah. I think it was like a... Uh, no. I think she was like a transsexual cowboy. No, you've got that totally wrong. Do you know who was supporting me that night? Who? Tim Minchin. Ooh. Tim Minchin, who is now... I'm telling you, I, that it, I think so. Tim... No, it was definitely... It was a cow... Who's like, she... <laughs> <laughs> it was like a, It was like a drag queen who like sang cowboy songs. Right. Was yeah. she any good? <laughs> 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 was she any good? I missed that half of the show myself. <laughs> in the bar how did I know she was any good I was waiting for you and you were late but it yeah. was uh, it was like it was, a, it was a great it was a really great night but there's a whole other story behind that and that is that you were actually in London for some of that I was I was shooting that day um, I was on a TV drama oh god look at my life <laughs> so busy busy um, shooting a drama called The Whistleblowers and I was um, yeah it was very very risky I shouldn't have taken the job really but uh, it was t two weeks of shooting on a nice TV series, so I wasn't saying no. And I, I knew that the Olympic gig, I just thought, well, sure, I'll get, I'll get off the set at six and I'll dash to Heathrow and I'll make it. And, and you know, and I'll, and I'll have a warm-up act called Tina C, whoever that is. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Tina C now? <laughs> anyway, wasn't the bloody flight delayed? And, of course, the problem is, if you don't show up for a gig at, like something at the Olympia, um, you have to pay. You have you have to pay you have to cover the cost of the house, which would have been thousands. Which of course I didn't have then and don't have now. <laughs> <laughs> so we but anyway, what happened was I got the flight was delayed by an hour and a half or two or something like that. As often the late flights in from the London are, and uh, in the, anyway I got a motorbike courier to come. Otherwise I wouldn't have made it. And I was so I got a motorbike courier to drive me to go very quickly. It was the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> From Dublin Airport to the stage door of the Olympia, and I was going, Horse the interval. And I literally didn't even say hello to anybody. I just went from the wings, in that stage door, and straight on, hello, says I, straight onto the stage. It's the best show I ever did in my life, because I was so pumped. <laughs> <laughs> with nerves, and the thoughts of having to pay out for the, the cost <laughs> of the Olympia. That'll do it, <laughs> that'll it, do it. It was my finest hour, was, and that was the show you saw. That was the show I oh, saw, you saw yeah. My best yeah I, I haven't been as good since I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely, oh, it was great. But you have had the, like, I suppose the first major massive comeback in Irish comedy 
Because like normally in Irish comedy, what happens is you just fall off the cliff. <laughs> it's just like, good, goodbye and good luck. Thank you very much. We never heard of you. But you came back like a year ago. Well, I did what Naomi said she, she did. I stopped for eight years. Do I hear ten? Or was it in a circus? <laughs> it was definitely eight. Um, and yeah, no, don't do it. She was right. Don't. It's not a good idea. <laughs> because I, I did get back in, but Jesus, by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> so. Because you... Uh, you, you went back, because I remember reading this and thinking, <laughs> she's insane, uh, because you came back at the Cat Laughs Festival, because that was kind of like the big, Deirdre O'Kane is back and she's going to be performing at Cat Laughs. And the pressure of like performing at Cat Laughs anyway, like even I find that if you're, if you're day down there that when you don't have a gig, if you're just going for tea, the actual pressure of that. What was, <laughs> what was I actually thinking? What, what was I actually thinking? I didn't come back with an old set. Like I came back with brand new with material. A, with yeah, yeah. New oh, material. As difficult but I had as tried possible. Out four times and then followed Rich Hall, who'd had a fucking that guitar. Was Comics don't like to follow guitars. They don't. We don't like to follow music. You know, it's 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 horrific. Because I was hosting that show, and I remember I I, I went on. Neil Delamere went on, and then Rich Hall went on, and he always does well. Like he always does really like really yeah, really brilliant. But I mean, he he absolutely destroyed, and everyone's going. This is going to be the shortest fucking comeback. <laughs> I do like to hear what the other comics are thinking and saying <laughs> in the wings. They love a bit of death. We love this. Oh look, it's oh, dead man walking. Dead oh. man walking. There's like no like in comedy. There's no stories of successes. Nobody wants to hear this. Like, did you hear who died? Oh, successes God. bore the arse off. Yeah. Tell me who died. Like, yeah. You went on and absolutely blew the roof off. Like, it was absolutely, like, it was brilliant. She just came oh, straight back in. Um, and, like, was that, that must have been really exciting. Like, well, it was. I, I, I think I was just so removed from the scene that yeah. I, I was just in my own little zone. And then, well, now I was, I did get very nervous when I heard <laughs> Rich with the guitar yeah. singing and doing a kind of a Johnny Cash on it, literally, and the crowd going nuts. I thought, oh, Christ might be slightly out of my depth. But <laughs> then you're in fight or flight mode, right? Yeah. I mean, you're literally in it. You're going, well, this isn't the time to die. Look, this isn't the time. So you just go out and give it a bit of welly. And you know how to do it. It's like getting back on a bike. I mean, it's not like you're a rookie. You know, you, you have done it. It's just that you've had a gap. So anyway, look, it, it was fine. But the thing about it is, like what, like what Naomi was saying there, you know, like if you stop doing music for a while, like you can... I suppose you can't sing at well. You can't sing at home because. <laughs> but like, if you if you wanted to, you could you could pick up a guitar at home and you could you sing to yourself. But with stand up comedy, it's not you can't. Well, I often take breaks from stand up much more than yeah. other comics. I mean, I had to laugh. I, I did something with David O'Doherty recently, and he was a nervous wreck because he hadn't been on the stage for six weeks. I'm regularly not on the stage for months at a time, but that's because I do other things. So I go off and do an acting job or something. Or I don't get hired and I'm just, I don't, I don't have dates in the diary and I'm just being a mother at home going mental. <laughs> but like, you know, I would have long periods of time before I get up to tell jokes. But I, and when David said that, I thought, wow, that's most comics' lives are, they're up. They're up 300 days and 300 nights of the year. So it's, but that, that's not my experience. But you, like, you've always had a love-hate relationship with it, though, I as have. well. I like you? to do things the hard way. Nothing yeah. <laughs> wouldn't like to be making life easier, straightforward for myself. Do you know? Let's just make it very complicated and hard. That's what I. That's what I like to do. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you started off as an actress. Are you all? Are you an actress in your heart? Yeah. 
Yeah. But I'm a comic in my heart too. I, I have made peace with the fact that I'm both, and I and I I love I love both. But no, I, I do struggle. I've always struggled with stand up. You know that. Um, I think if somebody offered me a series, you know, like Nashville, I would take it and never look back. <laughs> <laughs> I would take the easier because that's the easier road. I, yeah. I, I don't care. It's, some comics are in love with stand-up, and I was never one of those. I find it hard to sit down and write. I, it tortures me, actually. Um, I mean, when I get into a flow, okay, good, it comes, and you do enjoy it, and you think you're great for a little while. But, God, it's, I don't like being on my own. I'm a yeah. people person. You can, can't you tell? Yeah. I love the people. Love the people. Like don't the want to be sitting in a room trying to write jokes by myself for four hours a day. Going, is that funny? Who gives a fuck? You know, really, that's the way I feel most of the time. <laughs> but when you started, you were you were an actress for a while, like ten a good years. While, ten years before mm. you ever set foot on stage for stand up. Yeah. What drew you to stand up? Oh, well, it was one thing. It was, it was the cat laughs, ironically. Which so oh, that right. was a kind of coming back to full circle because my husband, who's a filmmaker, um, was making a documentary. The cat laughs had only just begun, and it was in its second year, I think. This is the festival in Kilkenny because you don't know about it. And uh, my lovely husband, who wasn't my husband at the time, but he was making a documentary um, about it. And I was um, an unemployed actress. And he said, well, why don't you come down and make the tea and sort of <laughs> be a runner, you know, and look, well, just be handy, make yourself useful. Uh, but I had actually really never seen any stand-up comedy before that. I, I was never a fan of it. I wasn't, didn't watch it. There certainly weren't many women doing it. Um, so I got one of those... Access all area, little oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know one of them. And I watched stand up for three, for four nights, and I was just—I had a moment, you know. I just was gobsmacked. My jaw hit the floor, and I—I I did fall in love with it. it. The truth be told, I—I I couldn't believe how irreverent and wild it was because I was coming from the theatre, which is the antithesis of that. It is very, very structured. There is no heckling. You come at eight, <laughs> we start at eight. There is an interval, you behave yourself. If you want to sneak out at the interval, you can. You don't roar, fuck you, you're shit, then go. <laughs> There's a lot of etiquette. Uh, so I thought that the rock and roll of the stand-up was just so refreshing, and, um, and obviously I was watching the best comedians in the world. I didn't fully appreciate that at the time, but obviously I was. And uh, there was one in particular, a guy called Anthony Clark, who ended up being in that sitcom called Boston Common, I think it was called. Oh, um, but he was an American comic, and I what I loved his set, so I went back to see him a second time, and then a third time, and a fourth time. And he did not change a word or a line of his routine, and honest to God, that was the first time that I understood that it wasn't a stream of consciousness that he had actually sat down to write it. I mean, how green, how green is that? <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, I just thought, oh, oh. He's not changing any of it. It's all written. Sure, that's like being an actor. And then that was it. Except that you have to write it yourself. <laughs> but like, I thought, well, I had done an awful lot of comedy as an actor, to be fair. Um, so I thought, oh, I could do that. And you're really like, I can do that kind of way. Yeah. But I started writing jokes in the car on the way home from Kilkenny. And, and I played it the following year. you played it the following year. Mm, so that's... It was fast. Yeah. Like, and it happened very quickly because then you... you it happened very quickly. And an awful lot of the reason for that is because I'm a girl and there were very, very few. Yeah, none. I mean, there was... Do I hear none? none. Sure, like, that's... Vanulas and myself 
Um, and honestly, I don't even know if I can name. There probably were one or two others. So I got a lot of attention, which I suppose could have gone against me if I wasn't any good. Yeah. Um, but, but uh, you know, look at, uh, you know, I got the attention and I took it. And I'm not going to apologize for that, I can tell you. <laughs> 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 this being a man's world and all. So when you went away from it then, uh, so you're, you're away from like the whole club scene and stuff for about for eight years. Don't you mean my recent, my yeah, recent so you, w- stay when you away, came back, yes. What was different about it? Because I mean, there's, like for a start, there's tons of women around now uh, yeah. d- doing stand-up. Um, but were there any other changes that you noticed? Actually, no. I don't really? think so. No, it was pretty much the same old game. I mean, I, I think there's more, more people in it and it's much more cutthroat. And I think it's seen as a legitimate career now. Whereas when I started, it was... I didn't even think of it as a legitimate career. I was just an unemployed actress trying to get some, trying to make a living, you know. Yeah. So, so I'll give that a go. Like, whereas now people are very career orientated yeah. about. They're like, I'm going to try this, and I'm going to give it this length of time, and I'm going to have a career plan. And I do see the younger people now. I mean, we were like big drinkers and messers and all over the shop. Whereas yeah. this is this generation is much more focused. I mean, God bless them, it's and go- it's good. It's good. I, 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 I think it's gone very uh, like everyone is just doing stand up. Like there was so much of stuff that you used to do, uh, like like you did so many characters back then. God, I did. Do you did I not just do? Um, no, here comes, here comes. <laughs> this is like uh, what is it like, Road? This, this show. Is your it's life, like uh, this is your life. <laughs> Who are you going to bring out? The mad aunt. Um, um, yeah, so it's Crystal Hickey, is it? I only did the one stand-up character. Oh, God. I is, beg to differ. To, are you going to show the car crash that was the Late Late Show? Because if you found that, you're a genius. No, it's not the Late Late Show, but it's... Um, Do you know that I went on the Late Late Show in character and people didn't get it? They didn't get it. They, <laughs> they didn't get it. So it was just Deirdre O'Kane's had a no, nervous no, breakdown. No, they didn't know who Deirdre O'Kane was. I oh, was right. utterly unknown. So I was introduced as Crystal Hickey. And the whole audience literally went, why have they got a cruise ship singer on this show? <laughs> that was what the character was. And they were kind of like <laughs> laughing because I wasn't introduced as a comic, you know, being a person that didn't know who the fuck I was. Absolute car crash. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Pat Kenny's face, he was white. He was white. <laughs> I thought he was going to die. He was just... Anyway, sorry, Grode, your show. Carry on. <laughs> no, I want to hear this, because this sounds good. So you, went, like, when you went really? on, I always... Like, when you watch a comic die on The Late Late Show, I mean, that's the ultimate, because we like to watch each other struggle. But Jesus, struggling yeah. in front of the nation, that's absolutely brilliant. Have like you the, got this? The te- is that what you're no, showing? No, 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 it's not what I'm showing, no. This is you doing... I'd say they lost that, or to you. I'd say they... I'd say they burned it. They don't want to admit it ever happened. <laughs> it was so bad, there was complaints. Why are the Late Late Show having a cruise ship singer on the show? Why, w- why would they have such a dud act as that? I mean, Jesus Christ, I thought it was hilarious. Nobody, <laughs> nobody got it. <laughs> well, you had, more, you had more than one character, I will say that. Christ, uh, I don't yeah. remember. And I'm gonna, there's a, a little montage, well, of two oh of them. Oh my God, how awful is this going to be? Anyway, yeah. What? How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> We're the and <Corson> Dog. <laughs> I'm Andrea. This is Sharon. This is Caroline. <laughs> this is our Jim. <laughs> now he's no way we're so thin. <laughs> Jim's eating all our dinners. <laughs> 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 
Do you know something? I'm really excited about tonight. Do you know why? They're letting me talk. <laughs> the record companies, they don't usually let me talk, you know, because they don't like me accent. <laughs> they call me loud mouth. I wouldn't mind, but I love talking. Well, do you like me accent? You do? <laughs> That's great. I'll hang on to it so. <laughs> Sonia O'Sullivan! I tell you, I'm after running down O'Connell Street there, right? And uh, on my way in, right, this drug dealer tried to sell me some speed, you know? And I tell you, I was very tempted now. But uh, Kira really kept me on the straight and narrow, you know? Like, even though she can hardly talk, she said to me, Mammy, just say no. You know, just remember what happened to your one, De Bruyne. And I thought, yeah, she got three big shiny medals. <laughs> Now, that was the lounge. That was Jesus Christ, that's very good. Wasn't I good That was... The <laughs> like, when, when there was a show pitched to RTE, like, it's going to be a stand-up show. Like, cause it, you know, I'm sure they get pitched all the time. But when, when they threw into the mix, Deirdre's going to host it as the chorus. <laughs> Deirdre hosted it, I, I mean, as somebody different every week. Yeah, there was one of you hosting it as Bono. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, how horrifying is that? But like the nerves of doing something like that, like because you know, like with telly, it's like you, it's like the tried and true. It's the stuff you know inside, just banging out. Well, did you just write that stuff? Well, I wouldn't do that now. I can tell you, no I wouldn't way. do that now. I'm not fit. I say no, no, no. That's tacky as hell. Forget it. No. <laughs> You've got more Clue. style. I wrote it with the Zig and Zag boys. Really? Yeah, they produced it, and um, so the three of us wrote it together every week. That's why the writing was so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose, like, being in a room with Dick and Zach, it's better than being in a room on your own. Oh, it was heaven. It was yeah. heaven on earth. That's what I want, to be in a writer's room, having a laugh. So what was it then that, um, that made you go, I've had enough of this now? I well, like, I regularly went, I've had enough of this now. Well, I, I mean, I, what is that, a frog? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting on something, Deirdre. It's, uh... Well, I, ne <laughs> I never stopped the acting, so... Um, there was always an acting job that always took me away um, a little bit from the stand-up. Yeah. And, and actually, it served me very well, because I did a show called Paths to Freedom, which all these years later still became yeah. a bit of a cult show. And, uh, and then there was another one called Fergus's Wedding. And because they got a lot, because they did so well, that's actually how I got the first Olympia gig, because it gave me profile. And I, I think that's what's actually hard now. If we're going to talk about the difference between now and then. It's very difficult for comics to get TV shows and to get on the telly, and you need to get on the telly to raise your profile uh, and cross over from clubs into theatres and sell tickets. So I think that's what's much more difficult. And certainly when the recession hit, there was no shows that that made. There were, there were just no shows. End up. Yeah, it just stopped for 10 years. Yeah, it really was. So you, you, you moved to London and you just, you just stuck with acting. And the big project that you did, for, I suppose, before you came back was you and your husband uh, made the Noble movie, yeah. uh, which was the Christina Noble biopic. When you first had the idea for that, because that was your idea, you had that uh, at your 40th birthday, was that it? Yes, and you see, Garoad, what you have to look see, see what you have to look forward to, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> he said to me, I'm going to be 40 in October. I said, I'm going to be fucking 50 in March. <laughs> see, you have a headache, I have a tumour. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Anyway. Um, 40 is fabulous enough. That's where it you is. get the insights. Everything happens. 40 is an amazing age, I think, yeah. Life begins. Nothing happens at 50. Nothing <laughs> happens. Everything just falls into the sea. And you have to pay for it to be lifted in some way. <laughs> but anyway... So, uh, w w Noble. W Noble. Yes. You had it, and you, you, your husband wrote it, and then you went to Vietnam for a few months to, to make it. Yep. Um, and what was that experience like? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm just, uh, just listing things you did as opposed to asking questions. It was an amazing experience. The making of the film was, um, was an amazing experience, because it, but it was very tough. It, was, um, it had taken us five years um, between the writing and the raising the finance. I mean... We made it for five million, but trying to raise five million to make a movie is very hard. And uh, it lived in our kitchen because it was Steve wrote, directed, and produced, and I was kind of very involved in everything because I made him do it and, <laughs> <laughs> and cast me, which was probably a really bad idea. And we should have given it to Angelina Jolie, but there you are. <laughs> uh, I kept saying she has a Vietnamese child. She has a Vietnamese child. <laughs> She'd probably love it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, look at um, it was it was real to get the money and to be going out there. It actually felt quite surreal, and I was very, we were very excited. But it was also incredibly hard. I had two small children with me. I, uh, you know, I knew I was going to be sneaking out of my hotel room at half five in the morning, and that I wouldn't see them till late, and that was all hard. Plus, we were also shooting in forty-three degrees of heat, and in you know, in in very very tough conditions like we were in the slums uh, you know yeah so we weren't living in the slums at night you'd go back to your hotel which is quite nice but but it was gritty and hard and there were rats running across my feet in the middle of takes and all kinds of things so that part of it but still you know i felt very honored to be and i was very passionate about telling christina's story i mean i i think she's an extraordinary woman and so from that point of view it all felt you know, when something comes together, you're so grateful that you're there. I mean, it, it was a very special experience. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. And you've just had another very special experience because you were in the season finale of Younger. Yeah. Younger. 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 Which was, uh, <laughs> uh, what was it? There was a, Not it was 50. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, which, uh, uh, Younger, it's a, an American TV show, but they were shooting in Ireland for their season finale. Yeah, I mean, it was just a lovely... It, was, it wasn't a huge job that I was in the final episode and it was a very nice role. Um, but when things like come out of the blue like that, um, the show is produced by Darren Starr, who produced Sex and the City, so it's his next thing. And it's, for TV land, the state's quite big there. And Debbie Bazaar and Hilary Duff and people like that, Sutton Foster, who's a big Broadway star, is, uh, is in it. And um, so, yeah, they came to Ireland to make a, an episode about a green card wedding and, um, and I had to kiss... Debbie Mazar. That, that's the sort of company now that you should be hanging around. In. I know, girls. Like, you, you don't want look. to be slumming it down at the like international bar with going, these scumbags. Heaven like, or filth. Yeah, <laughs> even when I was, I just talked right over you there. Totally ignored you. Like you weren't here. <laughs> Did you love that? Um, Christ, what a guest. What a guest. Possibly more entertaining. Over me. Uh, but like you were saying earlier, that's what I want. When I'm doing those things, I think. This is what I want. Why can't I just have this? When I watched Will and Grace years ago, I thought that is my dream job. 
why has Deborah Messing got my job? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look at we'll just hang on and keep, we just keep going, which is my new mantra. Oh, look at we just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually just come to the conclusion that that's the way you should just think about everything. Look at just keep going. Or as Amy Poehler would say, keep your eye on your own page. Keep your eye on your own page. <laughs> Stop looking around at what everyone else is doing. And speaking of your own page, you're, you have a new show coming. You're writing a new... I'm writing it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brimming with enthusiasm. <laughs> I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy the writing part it's at horrific. all. It's horrific, is isn't it? Do you know the most depressing part of writing, I, I, I find, is that I, like, I have to get out of the spare room now or I'm, I'm, I'm a basket case. Oh, but yeah. The most depressing thing is that when you go good. to... <laughs> when you go to a coffee shop and the person comes in for their breakfast and then when you're still there at lunch and they're coming back for their lunch and you recognise them like, this is not but a life. But that's good because that means you've gone into a zone and you've lasted several hours. Well, actually, like, what it I'm means is that they've... I'm rewarding myself <laughs> if I've sat there for three hours. I'm going, Jesus, Deirdre, well done. You put in three hours. Look, you wrote one lame joke, but you put in three hours. <laughs> but that's the problem. It's three hours, but it's th because they've Wi-Fi and you can look at Facebook. That's what it is. Like, you, I never you, do that. Do you not? <laughs> well done. I do, a bit of, uh, I do a little bit of the Twitter, but I, I think the Facebook is... Yeah, not a fan. That's not a quick... Well, it's not a quick... You can't go in quickly, can you? When no, you no, just no, get no, sucked no. In? You know, you do, you get sucked in and you end up talking to somebody. I think I wrote a bit about that the other morning. Did you, dear Jane? Would you want to tell us about well, that? Why don't I? Well, I try it out. Try it out. It was about the fact that keeping up with the Joneses is an expression that you don't even hear anymore because you're not keeping up with the Joneses anymore. You're keeping up with the whole fucking world because you're literally seeing what everyone else is doing. And even when you see, so when you go into the Twitter or the Instagram, the Instagram I was talking about, uh, and you see somebody posting them making jam with their children, I now suddenly feel like an inadequate parent because I'm going, Jesus, maybe I should be making jam. With my, I should be making more jam with my children, clearly. And this person is growing spuds, growing spuds, growing, growing their own herbs. I'm sitting here for four hours, not writing any fucking jokes. I could have been making jam if I put my mind to that. But then I go, this is what happens then. You're looking at the picture of the jam, and then you're going, Jesus, she's got a nagger. You, yes, you know, you can see bits of their kitchen. Oh, fuck it. She's got a fucking nagger. And I'm here with the shit cooker, and there you look, little towel there with a the nice oil, like highly pinned on it. My, my towels are shite. <laughs> there you go. That, do you know? Oh, oh give it up for Deirdre O'Kane. That's a test out of it. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Before you go, um, you've got you're the mother of two. Um, and how, will, how, thank how, you and good night. There will be no more. <laughs> <laughs> how how have they reacted to? I suppose you've gone back to because you, you, like you were when the UK you were a jobbing actress and then you've come back here and you're like you're you've gone back into all the high profile stuff like you were hosting the IFTAs, all of that sort of stuff. And mm. um, how's it been for them? They are utterly disinterested. <laughs> they do not care <laughs> I don't know if that changes with age or with the, if at any point they think anything of you but much like the singing they literally go you're not funny you're, you're, you are not funny uh, and in fact Holly has watched things that I've been in and go you were the least funny mum <laughs> in that thing that you did I said to her last night I was in Bridget Naiman last night playing Bridget's mammy 50, 50. And, 
I said to Holly, I'm on the telly now. Do you want to watch it with me? Not really. I said, she thinks she just looks at me like, why would I want you on the telly? You, there's like fucking sea. From morning to night. Utterly disinterested. Couldn't care less. Next year, uh, you're going out on tour again with a new show. Please, God, love, if we get the hour and a half written. Please, <laughs> God. I think there might be 30 minutes done. Which coffee shops do you go to? Do you wouldn't believe the money we spend on the coffee in the coffee shop. I know. I go to the one... Cheaper than the rent in an office. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I treat myself to some of the pastries. I think, oh, Jesus, do you have to think about the money you'd have to pay to rent an office? <laughs> I might as well have the cakes. I... <laughs> I go, to, I go to a very fancy one. I go to the one, uh, there's Italian people downstairs making bread. It's very authentic. Oh, yeah. nice. Oh, it's very nice. Yeah, I recommend it. Although there so I is... I to come into town for that. That's not going to happen. Oh, nice. So you're, you're, yeah, you're out, out by the sea. Out, don't leave. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. Bad, Terrible bad. dog shit problem, though, don't they? they have dog to shit problem? <laughs> not on the pier. <laughs> you have to pick it up and bag so it and bin it. <laughs> So you, okay, so you will. You'll have the air and a half, and you'll be. I'll have the air and a half, and I'll be out on the road. Like, you, should, you could just hit your greatest hits. Oh, I'd love to do that. But you can't. This is why you know we've had musician envy all of our lives. Comics, we we yeah. are utterly. You know, I I cannot believe that musicians get to go out and that the crowd will go mad if they don't play their greatest hits. Whereas if we repeat a joke, in the next show, it's like. I've heard that before. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> it's torture, like. And but you, but you did a show. Do you remember you did a weekend of shows just called Best of Deirdre O'Kane? And this was this was an education for me. When? That was the very first time I met you because I, I was booked like Deirdre O'Kane was doing three shows. It was just three shows. Would you do support? And I collected you from Corbett Airport. <laughs> do you know what was that for? Furless. That thing you showed, that gig that you showed, was a telly gig. Oh, Liffy laughs. No. <laughs> Tina C? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe you're right. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm wrong. Anyway, my memory is obviously but, just not. <laughs> but, like, comics, they're so, we're so precious about like, trying to, you know, write new stuff and all this. And you went down, and I, th- I remember at the end of your first show, you said to the audience, like, this is the, this is the best of me, this is all I have. And then you... Oh, this is the best of me. If you don't like it, I haven't got anything better, so... That's exactly what you said. <laughs> and they just started to shout the name of stories for you to do, and I was like, how the hell did you do this? Like, this is like, comedians have been trying to do this for years. <laughs> well, I think that was for... I did... A, do you remember those shows that are an audience with that oh, ITV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a celebrity audience. <laughs> was I, it, though? I wrote the was joke. It? I wrote that joke for it. That they rang me to say, Deirdre, would you do a show with a celebrity audience? And I said, there's only five celebrities in Ireland. (laughs) And three of them are Bono. (laughs) Remember, Bono the Father, Bono the Son, and Bono the Holy Ghost? (laughs) So that's where that joke came from. So it was, and I didn't have, they said, will you do an audience with? And I said, well, I'll do it if if I can do a compilation, if I can just... So I think I worked hard to kind of try and bring back all old material I'd forgotten for that specifically. Oh, well, I, I, was, I have to say I was very jealous because the audience were just like saying the name of stories and going, yeah, we get to hear that again. It, you were actually like a one woman Nolan sisters. Do it again then. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Thank it's you very much. As always, always, As always, Deirdre. As always. Give it up for Deirdre O'Kane. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, And before we go, 
Naomi is going to do one more song. Give it up for Naomi Coleman. Jer, an amazing musician, singer-songwriter, Jer Walsh, is going to uh, play guitar for me. <clears throat> so this is a, a song from a long time ago called Your Arms.
That was the fantastic Deirdre O'Kane there and you can follow Deirdre on Twitter at Deirdre O'Kane 1 on Instagram at Deirdre O'Kane 123 and she's also on Facebook. Her gigs are listed at DeirdreOkane.net. You can also check out Naomi Coleman's album Bring Down the Moon is on iTunes and also her new EP Survive is on iTunes now. This is exciting. Some of my past guests have new music. Are you sick of Donald Trump? So I am, and so is Marcella Detroit, who was my guest back in episode 13. Well, Marcella and her friends Hope Juber and Roberta Freeman have formed a group called the Nasty Housewives to make an album of protest songs called Resistors. It's available on their website, thenastyhousewives.com, and I have to say it is absolutely brilliant. When you are at your maddest at Donald Trump and everything he stands for, put it on and I guarantee you you'll feel better. That's Resisters by the Nasty Housewives featuring Marcella Detroit and you can get it on thenastyhousewives.com. Another previous fascinated guest with new music is Ben Adams and he released his new solo single called OMG and that's also on iTunes. Fascinated at headstuff.org if you want to get in touch. I'm at Farley on Twitter. There'll be a new episode soon. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.